0: I would go back to my past clients and ask them for testimonials because your past clients, who, you know, assuming they're happy, mm-hmm. your past clients are going to know in retrospect what the value was that they got out of your work.
1: Hey everyone, it's me again, Jay Rice, and welcome to another episode of The Design Live Show. In episode 87 of TDLS, I'm sitting down with Jonathan Stark. Jonathan is a former software developer who is now on a mission to get rid of the world of early billing. He is the author of Early Billing is Nuts, the host of Ditching Early, and writes a daily newsletter on pricing for independent professionals. In this episode, we talk a ton of actionable stuff, like his awesome grown-up story, the insanity of trading time for money, what value-based pricing really means, and some great actionable growth hacks for your business, and much, much more. So make sure to stick around until the end. It's a long. Uh, conversation with my friend here jonathan but it's really really worth it and i i learned a ton and uh, i took as well the opportunity to really ask all the questions for my community uh, directly to him about value based pricing and just to really uh, upskill or really leverage uh, the knowledge of my guests my smart guests for, for you to really uh, grow your business or as a entrepreneur or as a creative professional, all right. So before we dive into this week episode, so I encourage you guys to subscribe on his daily mailing list. Believe me when I say it has a ton of value you can't get from anywhere else. Uh, I actually get the opportunity to invite him uh, because I'm I'm subscri- I I'm I'm one of the subscribers on his mailing list. So it's really really. Uh, great and uh, you will learn a ton from from this guy and uh, more important links are on the show notes below so make sure to check that out all right so i think that's it without further ado I hope you enjoy this episode. You're listening to The Design Life Show, a podcast that's helping everyone grow to live a meaningful and creative life. It's me, Jake Rice, a designer from the Philippines, best known for being an advocate of essentialism and optimism. I'm sitting down with awesome people to talk about their journey, their process, and the lessons they've learned along the way. Hey everyone, it's me again, Jake Rice, and welcome to the another episode of TDLs. And I'm super stoked and I'm really honored to have Jonathan uh, here in the podcast. So probably you've, uh, especially in the creative uh, industry or in the in the you know in in the business. So probably you've heard the name and you probably uh, read his book. Uh, and um, I'm really honored to have him. So it, you know, it's really, it's really uh, a great time to to connect with Jonathan and to really ask or dig dive on the questions that uh, that I'm raising in the Filipino creative community. So this is a great for me a timing and opportunity to to really uh, talk about the value-based pricing and whatever uh, comes in this, uh, in this conversation. So Jonathan, uh, we, uh without further ado, thank you so much for dropping by on the podcast. How,
0: how are you? Great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. It, it
1: was an honor. It, it's an honor for me. So yeah. Uh, yeah. With, with regards to your, I, I know you, you've been, uh, you know, you've been in the industry for, for a quite long time and I know you've given a lot of value in, uh, um, with regards to your business and with regards to your contents. Uh, Just to give context in this episode for the TDLS listeners, who is Jonathan Stark, Uh, for those who haven't heard you?
0: Sure. Uh, Well, these days I do business coaching for independent professionals and I help them mostly with their pricing. I'm, I'm obsessed with pricing and I'm kind of on a mission to rid the world of hourly billing, which I think is a really bad business model so these days yeah so these days i mostly just write and uh, jump on phone calls and coach people remotely and i love going on podcasts like this to kind of spread the message so i really appreciate the opportunity to let more people know
1: thank you jonathan yeah (laughs) yeah yeah for sure and i know that that i uh that uh uh, you you've been in, you know you you you're really uh making some excellent uh works in uh, you know in the business industries and uh, I, I think uh um uh, I've I've grown up in the Philippines so basically it's a developing country so uh in my area so in the province or maybe you can call it sub sub suburb or suburb uh if mm-hmm. if that's yep. if that's the correct term. So, so yeah. uh, having a business mindset or having a business skills is sometimes a privilege, right? So with, uh, with regards to that, so I, I will take this opportunity to really ask uh, some questions. And I have, uh, I have my journal here already uh, <laughs> to, to get all okay. your insights and for, especially for the, the community. right? So uh, with regards to value-based pricing, so uh, mm-hmm. for, for those who haven't heard it, I, I know there's a lot of definitions about it i know that uh, there's a lot of uh, contents going on ab- about value based pricing and somehow as or some people or maybe um, especially creative professionals are are not really you know applying the correct uh, strategy uh, you know c- c- can mm-hmm. you what's your take on that what's really uh, uh, on your own definition what's value based pricing
0: okay so value is how much something is worth to someone so you know if i said hey uh you want to buy a coffee the coffee is going to be worth something to you there's going to be an amount of money that you would be willing to trade for the coffee so that's all value really is Uh, what's interesting about value is that it's different for every person and it can even be different uh, to the same person depending on the context so Mm -hmm. if i want to buy a soda at a convenience store i'm going to expect to pay you know a dollar but if i want to buy a soda at a red sox game like a baseball game i'm going to expect to pay probably five dollars so even though it's the same amount of soda i'm going to be it's going to be worth more to me on a hot summer day when i'm kind of stuck outside and i don't have a lot of options than it would be worth to me if I was walking down the street and there was, you know, 10 different places that I could buy a Coke. So, so value is what something is worth to someone right now. And the way that most people price their work, or if they, they might not even price their work, they might just have an hourly rate and bill for their time, which is not the same thing as pricing. Uh, Most people, when they price something, they think, about their costs like how hard is it going to be for me to uh, i don't know edit this video or -hmm. design this logo how hard is it going to be for me so they just think about themselves and how uh, and and their cost which is their time and they'll think the least amount of money that i would accept to do this work is let's say a hundred dollars And so then they say to the the client, they probably don't even mark it up. They would probably just say to the client, it'll be a hundred dollars. And then the client decides if a hundred dollars is less than what it's worth to them. So if you've got Alice, who's a logo designer, and you've got Bob who needs a logo, normally Alice is just going to think about how much money she wants to get. And then she's going to present that price to Bob, but Bob doesn't care how hard it is for Alice. Bob doesn't really care how Alice does it or how good she, how, how efficient she is at her job. He doesn't care about that at all. He just mm-hmm. wants a logo that's going to achieve some outcome for him. And a cost-based price would be Alice just thinking, well, I want a hundred dollars for, for this from anyone, anybody I do a logo for, I want a hundred dollars for or a thousand or 10,000. But that doesn't take the client into consideration at all. The client really is the one who gets to decide what it's worth to them in this in their current situation. So why not base the price for what you're going to do on what it's worth to Bob instead of Alice just thinking I want a hundred bucks for this. Some, yeah the main problem being that when you know, there's a whole bunch of problems with this. But so I'll just I'll stop there and you can just ask questions because I could go in a hundred yep. directions after that.
1: <laughs> yeah for sure yeah so basically it's just in, you know uh, just to. Kinda, uh, kinda of, uh, kind of simplify it. Yeah, value, value-based pricing is is kind of selfless act, right? As a, let's say I'm I'm a designer, so uh, it's up to the client what's what's value I have, right? Is, is that is mm-hmm. that make sense?
0: No? Yes, exactly. Gotcha.
1: So yeah, I I I'm uh, in my early days. I find it, you know, uh, value-based pricing is kind of uh, you know kind of. Uh, uh, what value I'm thinking at, right? like for example, the the value of my works is this, right? And then, uh, client should pay this this one, right? So and I see a lot of, uh, creative professionals that are, sometimes it's it's pretty it's pretty selfish, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's uh, I, I, it's great to highlight that and probably you know to really. Uh, to really identify what is value pricing, especially here in the Filipino creative community, mm. so there's uh, some confusions around it. And yeah, thank you so much, Jonathan, for for that. With, with regards to 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 go co- uh, to value based pricing, do you think w- what's your perspective about uh, that strategy? St- that strategy implementing or applying here in the you know in the, here in the developing country in the mm. uh, let's say. In the settings that uh, uh, local businesses are, you know, has low, uh, low, uh, what you call this? Um, uh, Low budget. Yeah. Something like that. Low budget. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, No matter how you price your work, the client is never going to pay more for your work than it's worth to them. So no, no matter how you calculate your price, they're not going to pay more than it's worth to them. Thank so you. If, if you want a million dollars for your logo, but nobody thinks it's worth it, you're not going to get a million dollars. Gotcha. So no matter how you calculate your price, it still has to be less than what it's worth to the client. So if you... So, so the, the sort mm-hmm. of magical piece of this is that if you find people who would pay a lot for your work, you can charge way more than you would have. So if, you're, if, you, if you charge, let's just say, let's say you charge $100 for a logo mm-hmm. and you start getting leads and you do amazing work that delivers amazing business results for your clients you have amazing testimonials where they say, you know, after, after Alice did my logo, business doubled or something like that. And you have all of this uh-huh. um, street cred, I usually call it, but you're delivering really powerful business results to people. You're, in other words, your clients are extremely satisfied and you start attracting bigger and bigger clients from all around the world because you don't have to go into somebody's building. You don't have to like be local uh-huh. to someone to make a logo for them probably most creative work. You don't need to be local. So you start attracting uh, clients from all over the world who love your stuff. They love the way it, the, your style or your worldview, or they just love you, whatever it is. If you still charge a hundred dollars for a logo, these new clients that are coming in are probably willing to pay a thousand or $10,000 for a logo or more, a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Like Pepsi comes along and they want you. You're going to still charge them a hundred dollars I mean, in one one way of looking at it is like, well, it's the same amount of work if I do a logo for Pepsi or I do a logo for a local restaurant, it's the same amount of work for me. So it's not fair for me to charge Pepsi more money. But you could flip that around the other way and say like, well, I always charge $10,000 for a logo. So mm-hmm. you can, so therefore you never do anything for local businesses. It's just, it, it's just a different way of looking at yeah. things. Mm-hmm. So value, what value pricing allows you to do is set your prices way, way higher than you would normally, or if you're billing by the hour, but it does require that you accept or that you attract bigger and, uh, bigger clients who value your work more, but that isn't, that's a problem that you can solve. That's it's a pretty straightforward problem to solve. So if you, if you bill in this way, if you do value pricing, then you can dramatically exponentially increase your prices, which if you compare, you know, it's great, you know, so if if it's not easy, you know, you have to know how to do it and it takes time to switch your, your mindset. But when you do that, it allows you to have a more equitable exchange because you know if, you know the, the famous story about like the Nike logo was you know they paid yeah. mm-hmm. they paid like 50 bucks for the Nike logo and it's mm-hmm. maybe a 500 billion dollar brand or whatever it is <laughs> you know so it, it's a more equitable trade as you get clients who value your work more you can charge more and if you compare that to what most people are probably experienced with which is you know maybe hourly billing or pricing themselves really low because they don't think they'll get the work if they price themselves higher. Imagine trying to double your hourly rate or yeah. double your your prices for your logo without making any other changes in your business. So you're still attracting the same clients. There's still these local clients who have no budget. And all of a sudden you want to start charging $1,000 for a logo instead of 500 or or 100 And you you imagine like no one's going to say yes to that. And if that's what you're thinking, it's because you're not thinking about bigger clients. You have to think about getting bigger clients. And if you're getting bigger clients, and when I say bigger, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean more employees, just they they have a bigger budget Mm -hmm. and they come along and they like value your work. It's worth more to them than it is to someone else. Then you can, you can plan strategically to go out and find clients who value your work. And then when you find them, you can charge more and they'll be happy so everybody wins gotcha
1: so basically it's re, uh, it's really the mindset of result uh it's kind of uh you have to be really result driven and mm-hmm. and uh, and i, I think uh, uh that's something that uh we need to really uh implement here in the philippines right so um right so we're not really business savvy especially the creatives right so we're no. always looking at uh, uh, looking at to work something like this or make it really prettier right but we 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 uh, at my early days we were not really trying to sell the result we're, we're just we are just uh selling what it looked like right mm-hmm. so it's it's probably you know it's a it's a great idea you know just uh to really be result driven and that, uh, speaking of mindset Jonathan uh, with regards to it, I, i'm sure a lot of uh, TDLS audience especially filipinos and aspiring creative professionals that uh, will find value in this uh, in this uh, in this insights from you so uh with regards to mind shift right, right? you're shifting the mindset um uh, uh, what what are you thinking back then uh, you, you know uh, on your early days what's what's your yeah. uh uh I mean what's the uh, what are you think what are you thinking when you are shifting into being a a really a business savvy or you know really result driven type of guy can you share your uh, your take on that
0: sure so back in the early 2000s i oh. was managing a development shop a software development shop mm-hmm. and there were about 10 employees you know 10 developers and we build by the hour and I did most of the proposals. So when a new client would uh, or a new prospect would email us, I would get on the phone with them and in that initial phone call, I would try and find out what mm-hmm. the scope of work was. So I would be trying very hard to ask them smart questions about, you know, how many tables are going to be in this database and how many screens are there going to be. Um, If I was a, if I was a a copywriter, I would have been asking how many words do you want it to be? Or how many Mm -hmm. pages do you want the white paper to be? Or if I edited video uh, or podcasts, I would say, how many, how many minutes is it going to be? I'd be always asking questions about how hard was it going to be for me to undertake the activities that they wanted me to undertake. So only thinking about myself. Basically, Mm -hmm. how hard is this going to be for me? And when I say hard, you know, it's not it's not physical labor, but I mean, how much time is it going to take me? And then I would put together an estimate and I'd say, well, you know, our hourly rate's one hundred and fifty dollars per hour, and I think this will take one hundred hours. So here's your estimate. And then they would get the estimate and almost invariably it would turn out that there was more work than I thought. Because there's no way to know all the work that's going to happen in like one one-hour meeting right. for mm-hmm. a six-month or a twelve-month project, so it was like every single time mm-hmm. we were going over budget, which clients hated. Of course, it feels like you know it feels like they got lied to, or uh, if it went way over budget, they might start thinking things like, "I wouldn't have even done this if I knew we were going to spend this much money." So they're trapped now. It's like, do they cancel the project and have nothing, or do they keep going with no end in sight? It's a terrible experience for everyone, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and they're fighting and they're they're questioning hours. And we're spending time going over hours entries and why this takes so long and why this costs so much this time and different than last time. And it was awful. So the the mind shift. So then, and that's when I discovered value pricing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I started my own. I went solo and I started my own dev shop at the time doing software consulting and it was immediately instantaneously great. It was so much better. Even if, mm-hmm. even, I mean, my income went way up, but also the my quality of life was mm-hmm. dramatically better because all of a sudden the clients, they were never, I never had clients from hell ever again after that. It was always like, they're like, whatever, if it takes longer, that's fine. It doesn't cost us anymore. And so then I would just have to work a little bit more, but no one was freaking out. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. so, but your question was about the mindset. So what's the mindset shift that I had to go through to switch from scoping first in the sales yeah. meeting and switching over to value pricing? And that shift took me, it took me at least six months to get good at it because it's really hard <laughs> to get <laughs> used sure. to. Yeah. You can't focus on scope in the first call. It doesn't matter. The scope doesn't matter. I know that sounds crazy, but I'll explain it. It does not matter how hard it's going to be for you to do this. At that point, when you're just meeting someone, brand new client, and you have, and they, you do logo, I'll stick with logos, they need a logo. It doesn't matter how hard it's going to be for you. Or let's say something a little bit more um, scope creepy, like um, you, they want you mm-hmm. to develop, like design a WordPress yeah. theme for mm-hmm. them. Because so, it's a little bit less predictable how long that's going to take. So they want you to develop a WordPress theme and you're like, okay, uh, you just don't worry about how hard it's going to be at that point. It doesn't matter. What you need to find out is how much it's worth to them. If you don't know how much it's worth to them, there's nothing to base a price on other than your costs, which we've already discussed is like, like problematic. So if you want to switch to value based pricing, the only, the main thing, not the only thing, but the main thing you need to find out in that first sales interview is how much this thing that they want you to do is worth to them that's all that matters and then when if you find out it's worth a hundred dollars to them then there's probably no there's probably no way for you guys to work together it doesn't matter what the scope is because you just know there's no way you could develop a a good wordpress theme for a hundred bucks and and like make a profit you know if you find out that it's worth a million dollars to them then you know that there's room for you to do something for them and make a profit and them be super happy so if it's worth a million bucks to them then you say okay uh i understand that you know my impression here is that this is a a really important project for your big company and, and it needs to be done right it needs to be done well the first time it needs to be maintainable over time by your internal development team I understand all of these business things about this. It fits into your strategic, uh, your uh, your objectives for the year and your strategy for 2021. It, I understand all of those things about why this is such a big deal for you guys. You know, and then you say, is it okay? I'm going to put together a quote. I'll give you three prices and I can have that to you by Wednesday. Is that acceptable? They'll say, yeah, that's great. So now you you know what it's worth to them and you've got a pretty good idea of what it is that they're trying to accomplish and what you could, Theoretically, do to achieve it. So now you sit down with your proposal in front of you, and you know, you just think, "All right, their current situation is this. the The situation that they want, their desired future state is something else. Mm -hmm. So they got current state A, desired future state B, and they believe that my contribution to that transformation from A to B is this, a WordPress theme. Okay, here here are three prices. And, and I think it's worth about a million dollars to this business. They didn't say a million dollars, but based on the conversation, I think I can make a case for this being worth a million dollars to this business. Really big business, really important event. The WordPress theme is for a microsite for the next Olympics. Very big deal. So it's probably worth a million dollars to them. So I'm going to come up with three prices that are f- fractions of a million dollars, way lower. And then I'm going to think, okay, what can I do to help them at this price? So, if it's a million dollars, my option one is going to be a hundred thousand dollars for a WordPress template, which sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. But, but if it's worth that much to them and you're going to totally uh, help them get 100%. there, mm-hmm. it's totally reasonable. It's only 10% of what mm-hmm. they stand to benefit. So, you know, so then you say to yourself, what could I do for a hundred thousand dollars to help them to help ensure? they transform from where they are to where they want to be. And that might not even be a WordPress tip. It might be something different. It might be you training their internal de- development team how to do this so that they can do it on their own the next time this comes up. So you don't, you don't think about scope at all until you're writing the proposal and you have some prices. So you think, well, you know, if I, if they, if somebody gave me a hundred thousand dollars, what could I do to help them achieve this business outcome that they're trying to get? And then you do, you know, same thing. So $100,000 and then $220,000 for option two. What could I do if I had $220,000 to help Nike for the next Olympics? What could I do? Or if I had $500,000 to help Nike with this website project for the next Olympics, what could I do? And you'd have, and if it's, I mean, it might sound like I'm making these numbers up, but I'm really not, you know, whatever, divide it by 10. Say say you think it's Mm -hmm. worth $100,000 to them. So $10,000, $22,000, $50,000. And they came to you for a WordPress template, but what you ended up learning is that they want a transformation. Something is broken. They have an expensive problem that they believe that you can fix. Otherwise they wouldn't have called you or they have a really big opportunity that they want to capture and they can't do it by themselves. And they, and they know you can, or they believe you can help because they heard about you from a friend or they have been listening to you on podcasts or they've been following your YouTube channel or your Instagram feed. And they're like, this is the person. So they believe that you can help. You just got to figure out exactly what needle it is that they're trying to move, what they're going to consider a home run or what success looks like and not worry about how many colors are there going to be or how many revisions are we going to do or uh, whatever. How many templates do I have to put together? How many different page types are there? If you can't build like an amazing WordPress entire site for hundred thousand dollars, I'd be a little bit surprised. So the scope doesn't matter. Because the, if, you're getting, if you're attracting really big clients, they're going to have really big budgets. And there's like almost, you know, I, I can remember one year, somebody I was going back and forth with someone, uh-huh. a potential client, we really clicked and they had like, they had this project and we couldn't, we were, I was having a hard time understanding what it was worth to them. They were like, we just know we need it. And I'm like, yeah, but why? Why are you going to spend all this money and spend mm-hmm. all this time and, you, you know, you guys are going to have to be working on it, too. It's a collaborative thing. It's this internal system. I'm going to be bugging your users. I'm going to have to interview them weekly. What's the, you know, and we just couldn't figure it out. And then kiddingly, at the end of one phone call, I said, well, I could do anything for $200,000, you know, just like as a joke. And they're like, oh, <laughs> is that all? And I was like, yeah. They're like, okay, done. 200000 You know, so it took, and it took me like, Whoa. I don't know, <laughs> part time for six months. So it was, so there's all, you know, there's how the, the mind shift though is switching is just forgetting about scope. Don't scope first, scope last Yep. Mm -hmm. after you know what your budget is and you base your, but it's a budget you give yourself based on how much you've determined this project is worth to the client roughly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm really taking notes here. (laughs) So for those who are listening, make sure you are taking notes, right? So, (laughs) yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm um, um, i I'm imagining that the, you know the mind shift or the that uh, in that early stage that is you know it's really sometimes uh, kind of grayish, right? So I'm I'm I pretty much uh, you know experience that as well, and or there's a gray area uh, uh, to to iterate that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, with regards to you know, uh, I have this client uh, uh, or a prospect client before that. Uh, you know, they are targeting real estate developers, something like that. And then, uh, and like you like you mentions when you when we click, right? So, how how can uh, you know a uh, 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 really professional uh, value based pricing guy that mm-hmm. uh, how 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 can he really sell? The value or the worth that he he want to get from that client, right? So it's it's really uh, at that moment uh, I'm really uh, you know I'm really puzzled about how how should I price them? And most of the time, designers, uh, especially creative entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. are are creative professionals here in the Philippines are really are really uh, afraid of uh, you know trying to price higher, right? And maybe it's 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 kind of uh oh, oh, it's kinda weird for the client something like that uh is it you know w- with regards to your experience enormous experience is it really, is is it there uh is there any you know secret sauce or best practical advice for, uh, if that makes sense right so hopefully that makes sense for 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 creative professional to to really you know to really uh, set the expectation to be really result driven. What's your best practical advice on that matter?
0: Yeah. Okay. So there's a couple of things there. Uh-huh. So the the first thing I, f- I feel like a little bit. You know, you said you were puzzled about how to do yeah. this. Mm-hmm. I, you know, in the in the sales interview, assuming you're attracting some kind of leads, let's just assume. For the time being that you're attracting some kind of leads you're not attracting no leads because that's a different problem gotcha Mm -hmm. but assuming that you are getting emails or contact from people who are like we're interested in having you help us with this thing that you're good at then when you get them into a phone call you interview them and you interview them using something i'll call the why conversation where you get them to tell you why they would hire a professional like you instead of just doing it themselves or having their cousin Vinny do it, or not doing it at all. Like, why not not do this? Why not not have? Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Why not not have a uh, an architecture diagram for your new software project? Why not just have your developers start building it without without any kind of plan? And they would say that. Well, that would be crazy. We would end up with a giant mess on our hands. You say, okay, yeah. so you definitely need some kind of architecture phase at the beginning. They here's the important part. They understand. That there's value in a software architecture i'm not Mm -hmm. convincing them i don't need to convince them at all in fact convincing or persuading i don't do any of that i just meet with the client and i you know and i say well why would you bother i mean you know i'm going to be expensive why would Mm -hmm. you even be talking to me why not just do this yourself or why not hire it out or why not get an agency to do it and they'll tell me all the reasons why they don't want that like well that won't work we tried that before and we got burned this is super important and you're you're the go-to guy for this so like we want the best this is too big of a deal for our our business and we just want to trust that we did everything we could to make sure it was a success all right that's what i want to hear and i didn't convince them of anything it's them telling me why they would spend more money than the cheaper options so that's kind of the i mean that's a, a There's a lot to the why Mm -hmm. conversation. There's three types of questions and there's different ways you can ask each question. But it's why this, why now, and why me? And you take Mm -hmm. the information from that and you put it into your proposal. And the other thing you brought up is the low cost of living. Uh, You live in a low cost of living area, I guess. Yeah,
1: Uh, Low low buying powers, uh, mm -hmm. something like that. yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so there's a couple of things there. The first thing is do not limit yourself to local clients. There's there's no reason to do that. I mean, maybe there's a language barrier thing, but if your work is amazing, then people are gonna, you know, people are gonna deal. They'll be like, "Whatever, we can figure it out." So, do not limit yourself to local businesses only. Uh, You know, there's a time zone thing too. There's those are problems, but if you're if you're delivering amazing results to your clients, you're going to attract people from high cost of living countries. So that's what you got to do. Because if, you, if you're if you just assuming that you're a soloist and you don't want to, you know, have like 50 employees and build a giant firm, you just want to like do logos or do WordPress themes or do uh, graphic design. You just love what you do and you just want to do it. You don't want to be a manager. Then the whole business growth plan, the whole plan is to get bigger customers. That's it. So everything you do has to be about getting bigger customers. Okay, so gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and so if you if you are limiting yourself to a group that has no budget, and I, I'm a little bit skeptical that there's nobody in your whole country that's rich, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, there's mm-hmm. got to be somebody. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. <laughs> but let's say, let's say there isn't. Uh-huh. So just don't just the world is your oyster. Just you've got the internet. Get clients from other places. So and and then when you get them, you want to do value pricing because now your your Mm -hmm. notion of how much you get paid is going to be skewed really low. So and you can price yourself. You can say it's possible to set your prices too low because then people think you're no good. If you're too cheap, they'll think you're no good. Gotcha. So all right. Now here's another thing about living in a low cost of uh, whatever a place that doesn't have a lot of budget. If you are if you're if you're attracting buyers based on the fact that you're cheap, you're never going to be getting better clients because the whole reason they're coming to you is not because you're good. It's because they think you're going to be cheap. So you have to come up with, you just have to attract better clients, which is a marketing exercise, again, different subject. But if you do, if you're attracting people based on the fact that they think you're cheap, then every conversation is going to be about money and, oh, that's too expensive. Like, wow, I thought it'd be less money than this. Yeah. <laughs> because that's what, because you're attracting mm-hmm. a kind of customer who's very price sensitive and for whom the stuff that you do isn't really worth that much. And there's nothing you can do to, to change their mind in the moment about how much the thing is worth. So it's a waste of time. So just attract people who already value what you do, have more buying power, and then deliver amazing results to them and the word is going to spread
1: 100% yeah and i just want to highlight with, with regards to the attracting right so probably it's it really uh if i understand it well it really co- colorates how you position yourself right and uh, it's it's uh probably the marketing part right so the uh, the persuasion if 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 that's really exists right and the end goal in mind and the result driven mindset And uh, and most of the creative professional here in the Philippines are really find it hard to position uh, their their work, you know, to position their expertise, and sometimes um, you know there's a culture gap, you know, going on, and and probably an internal motivation as well is not really uh, relating on that on that uh, on that end goal if. If if uh, you know if, if that makes sense, how how mm-hmm. you know how uh, what what they should do if, if this guy uh, don't really know how to position her, herself or to really uh, uh, or to create messaging for or mm-hmm. how do you call it marketing uh, marketing yeah, positioning uh, really positioning uh, strategy, yeah, the most important. positioning yeah.
0: yeah so the it's hard because mm-hmm. we when you're starting out you just think about your craft and you're just trying to make more beautiful stuff. You think kind of like an artist and you like, this is beautiful stuff. You show it to your colleagues and people who also do what you do and they're like, wow, that's beautiful. And you start to get this kind of confidence that you've mastered logo design or video production or whatever you do, web design, just you have to do it on the list, copywriting anything. Yeah. Your colleagues are like, wow, you're amazing. Um, you start to feel like you know what you're doing. You <laughs> maybe try and inch your hourly rate up a little bit. The problem with this equation is that there's no customers involved. Like no client opinion is involved here. It's just you and your friends talking to each other mm-hmm. and saying, while we're doing amazing work and in the, in the sort of general sense, you probably are doing beautiful work. But if it doesn't deliver business value to people, people who have checkbooks, they're not going to give you money just because it's beautiful. Like they don't care. Like mm-hmm. a business person, yeah. you have to think more like them. Okay, this, this color palette that you put together for this web page is really attractive. But if, if I run like, you know, if I, I'm like, uh, I don't know, I run a chain of pizza places or laundromats, <laughs> I'm not even expert enough to know if it's good in the, in the abstract general sense, you know, it's like a photographer trying to sell, um, there's, you know, sell a bride, you know, for a wedding by talking about like, Oh yeah, you really need me because my F stop and my white balance are amazing. All my friends tell me so it's like, who cares? The bride doesn't (laughs) care. The bride just wants to know that she's going to look beautiful in these pictures that are going to last for the rest of her life. That's all she cares about. She doesn't care about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what kind of film you're going to use or like, it just doesn't matter to her. Like the client is always going to have a much um, more novice view of what it is that you do. And they're going to have an opinion like, yeah, I like that or I don't like that. But they don't understand anything about design and they don't need to. They just need to know what it's going to do for them. And so when you're talking to them, that's what you ask. You have to figure out what they think it's going to do for them. So if some, if, if they're talking, they believe somehow that whatever it is that you do is going to help them with some business goal that they have, or they would not be talking to you. They wouldn't even, even if you reached out to them first, they're not going to set up a phone call with you if they don't think there's some possibility that there's a good investment to be made because they're not going to waste their time. Mm -hmm. So they know there's like, you know, that they know that that there's a possibility here. You just need to figure out what's the transformation they're trying to make and what do they believe my contribution to that transformation is. So if you do something like a logo, which is way upstream, I would be super curious to know from this particular person sitting across from me, why do they think they need to pay a professional for a logo? Can't you just make one? Can't you just like crack open, I don't know, sketch or uh, I don't know, there's probably free ones that you could just buy off the internet. Why don't you just do that? Mm -hmm. And they'll tell you. They'll say, no, I can't do that. I don't want to look like everybody else. Or uh, I'm afraid that there'll be litigation involved or they'll tell you something. Uh, so, you know, there's, and they give you the reason, like they're the one who will tell you what it's worth. They are the ones that will convince themselves that it makes sense to pay a lot of money for some an expert like you. And yeah. And there's just no, you can't convince mm-hmm. them any otherwise. But what that means is you're going to get some client, you're going to have conversations with some clients who really don't value what you do. And you're going to be like, okay, there's not a good fit here. Thanks anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> you, you know, you've got to be prepared to walk away from bad clients. 100%.
1: Yeah. And I think there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, uh, there's, I think we we were, you know, we're all experienced some shitty clients, right? <laughs> and I, I think that's, uh, that's, uh that's part of the journey, and uh, Jonathan, uh, I know you. You, you know, uh, with with regards to uh, to the positioning, and, and with regards to the value based value based pricing, how to, to really define your work. Uh, and how how what's your perspective when 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 you know uh, when a clients come to you with low budget, let's say. Uh, uh, let's say uh, uh, j- just for the start of the relationship or the business relationship, and then yeah. uh, as a designer, and then as and as uh, uh, and then as a client, uh, or uh, putting my feet or foot on the on the client shoes. Right. So I want to grow as well together with the client. Is it you know something uh, colorates with value based pricing or uh, what? What's your perspective about that?
0: Right. So how do you transition mm-hmm. from where you are now to bigger clients? Like so say you're only attracting low clients yeah. with a low budget right now. Mm-hmm.
1: And so you're, you're trying of- to help them grow and while while yeah. you are, you know, just trying to grow as well.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh well the beauty of value-based pricing is that you always get paid a lot of money compared to what you did. So to to say that again, if you base the price on the value, mm-hmm. And then you come up with a price after that that's less than the value. And then you scope last. You pick a scope of work that you'd happily, gladly do for that price. You're always making a lot of money compared to how much time you're spending. So if somebody mm-hmm. came to me and they had a really small budget, but they wanted, um, I don't know, a, uh, like a book cover. Like, oh, I'm writing an ebook, book um, I want uh-huh. to have mm-hmm. a professional design the cover. I know I can't do it myself. My budget is only five hundred dollars, or even a hundred. Let's say it's a hundred. And you know, Jay, I want to come to you because I I saw your your work on I don't know Behance or I saw it on Ninety Nine mm-hmm. Designs or where, wherever I saw it, or you came highly recommended from someone else. But I've only got a hundred bucks. And you say, okay, well let's talk about well, let's talk about that. And then you would talk about what goals they want for the book. You know, like, like dude, why don't you just do it yourself? Seriously. <laughs> you know, if you only have a hundred dollars, it's obviously, if you only have a hundred dollars, it's obviously not that important to you. So why not just do it yourself? Why not just crack open keynote or something and design something in keynote or PowerPoint and just take a screenshot and use that. And then you get the conversation going. And then I say, well, I don't know. You know, I feel like, I feel like people do judge a book by its cover. And I think the book is yeah. really good. I don't want people to not buy it just because the cover's kind of ugly. I know I wouldn't do a good one myself. So same thing. So you just go through the, the why questions. You're like, all right, so blah, 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 blah. You know, uh, you, it's urgent. They need to do it now. They really want to get the book out. They really don't want to do it themselves. Uh, so you say, okay, you've only got $100. bucks. i am not designing you a book cover for 100 bucks. But what I can do is for $10, you can buy this template that I'll put together or for $10 I can connect you with somebody who can do this for you or I can connect you with a website that has book cover templates you know I can I can uh, send you to Canva and then you can pick something from Canva and then I'll advise you about the fonts or something you know basically they do it themselves in Canva and then you give them some feedback about it and boom ten bucks and you're like yeah that was worth it it took me ten minutes yeah You know, so you just, if you come Mm -hmm. up with the value first and the person says worth a hundred bucks, you say, okay, what can I do for $10 to help this person? What can I do for 22 bucks to help this person? What can I do for 50 bucks to help this person? And it's not going to be designing the book cover, but you could do something to help them get what they want, which is a book cover that they believe is going to not scare away buyers. Gotcha. So you Mm -hmm. always end up with a profitable engagement. Even if the clients are really small, you just can't accept that the thing that they specifically asked you to do, i.e. design a book cover, you just reject that. You, you just don't uh, automatically accept that as a thing that you're going to do at the beginning. So if they come to, say, to come to you and say, I need you to design a book cover for me, my brain would immediately be like, okay, maybe I'll design the book cover, but there's a lot of other ways I could help them with a the book cover besides me actually doing it. So if you just keep an open mind about that, And instead of thinking of yourself as someone who designs book covers, instead of that, you think of yourself as someone who knows how to design book covers and you sell the knowledge instead of the cover. Then it opens up a lot of possibilities in terms of uh, what kind of things you can scope after you've set some prices.
1: Yeah, light bulb. Yeah. So that's really, you know, that's really a fantastic perspective. And uh, is it fair to really summarize it with? You know, value first, scope plus. Is is it fair? Jonathan is mm-hmm. is it correct? Right?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Gotcha.
1: So yeah, I, I think that's you know that's really uh really valuable and I, I try to really dig dive on the questions that I get from from the community. So or probably uh, they they get a lot of value. So for sure they'll get a lot of value from this one. Uh to to just to shift gears, uh Man, with with regards to to your journey, right? So uh, probably uh, this I should ask this <laughs> at first, but um, you know I, I'm kind of kind of excited how how you really define the value by spreading it. I, you know, I I lost I lost track about my uh, guidelines, so <laughs> I, I, I don't mind it anyway. But uh, uh, with regards to your journey, right? So you you've been in the industry for a long time and uh, um. The, what's the, you know, uh, f- just for those uh, creatives, professional or those aspiring creative entrepreneurs, well, what's what's the biggest struggles that have you been, uh, uh, you know, what's the biggest challenges that have you been through or are uh, are you overcoming or, uh, so, sorry, so let's, let's,
0: I'll just edit it out. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what mm-hmm. era What's life? I mean, sorry. (laughs) I had, yeah, I can give you a few, a few things. Like, I I have a music degree. I went to music school in college, and for, you know, like ten years, I Mm -hmm. drove around in a van and tried to make a living, uh, as like you know, in a rock band or as a singer-songwriter and Uh all that stuff, and all kinds of challenges there. And then after that, I went into, I went back into software development because as a little kid, I learned how to code. Yeah, (laughs) and did that and that was that was really fun for a long time but then it got kind of felt like um it got kind of boring i was doing the same things over and over again uh, it didn't didn't feel like i was learning anything new that was valuable there's always new stuff to learn in technology but it was kind of like eh whatever i mean that's mm-hmm. just a new flavor of the other thing that i already know and and i didn't feel like i was having a really big impact uh, and that was you know so we just jumped like two decades, <laughs> and then that led up to 2016, I guess. Uh, I had been running uh, my solo software consulting firm for ten years at that point, and I had been using value pricing the entire time. And a lot of my friends from the space were still billing by the hour, and they were. I was getting a lot of questions about like how could I possibly run a business for ten years like their business but not billing by the hour like how is it that i didn't go out of business how did i not get killed by scope creep and so I was always answering questions and people would you know they were like inviting me to come to meetups and user groups to talk about business stuff instead of software stuff to groups of software entrepreneurs and software professionals and in and that had been happening more and more over the years but in 2016 i finally collected all of my thoughts on the subject and published a book called hourly billing is nuts and gotcha. you know that's been to kind of like put it all in one place for people so that they could find that and understand kind of what we're talking about a lot of the things that we've been talking uh-huh. about today yeah and the challenge really is my challenge now is and that's all i do now now like i'm on a mission to rid the world of hourly billing it's the worst it's so bad for clients <laughs> it's bad for you it's mm-hmm. bad for everybody and mm-hmm that's, you know, the the mission now is like, how do I communicate that in a way that is effective? So like, I know how to do it for myself, did it for 10 or 15 years. And then, and then I decided, okay, I just want to teach this now is really, I mean, you're, we're going through it right now. Like it's, you're asking questions that are like, Mm -hmm. well, what even is value? How would I even think about this? Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I, talk to people all all over the world so it's my challenge now is coming up with language and metaphors and visuals that help turn on the light bulb for people who are just learning about this for the first time and it's 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 challenging it's hard but it's really fun too and it it's completely my favorite thing in the world when someone gets it and like oh i just it's like a flash of insight they're like oh now i get it so that's i mean that's really the main thing
1: yeah 100% and I, I think that's really amazing right so and uh, if you overcome those things you probably i'll guess you again <laughs> in the podcast right <laughs> but, but uh, i think it's it's still uh, you know uh, for all of us or most of us are still um, an uphill battle right so it's always an uphill battle to to maybe some some of my listeners are uh, you know Trying to overcome procrastinations, right? So maybe they are trying to overcome mm-hmm. an internal, uh, cultural gap or whatever they want to overcome. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the end, it's, it's really, you know, where it always boils down on why are you doing it, right? So why, why are you doing this mission? Why are you doing, uh, uh or why are you, um, um, you know, trying to, uh, be out there with this purpose, something like that. And it, it's really, you know, it's really a massive learning opportunity or a, a massive learning experience, uh, personally for me. So it's, it's really, uh, you know, it's really, you know, I'm really connecting with that as well. Well, in my level, right? So probably, uh, 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 that's a great way to really, uh, to really, uh, Express or communicate what I what I want to do, or uh, anyway. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah, with, with regards to your, you know, with regards to your journey, and then it's been a, a lot of uh, great stuff that are happening right now, and there's a lot of uh, challenges as well. Uh, what's your biggest uh, advice? If you know, if we go back uh, uh, at your early early stage, what will you say uh, with the younger Jonathan?
0: <laughs> if I had a time machine,
1: yeah, if we have a time machine,
0: um, I mean, I, I don't know if I would really change anything because uh-huh. that would change the future, I suppose, but I, I understand the question. Yeah. Like, like, what's the thing you know, what would I say to my younger self? Um, I, I struggled, the, the music phase of my career was extremely, uh, I learned a lot about business and marketing from that without realizing it because when you're a, a musician like there's no career path there's nothing so you just have to figure it out and like how am I going to eat how am I going to pay the bills mm-hmm. uh, so it it puts you through this kind of uh you know crucible of of trying to make money with your art it's almost uh it's like the most extreme example of <laughs> of, of a career path it's it, you know but it, a lot of lessons I learned from that have been extremely valuable now or later. But I, if I was going to tell myself something, but I, but I totally had my head on backwards back then, completely backwards. I was always just thinking about the art. I was always mm-hmm. just thinking about myself and what I wanted. And I never, ever, ever thought about the audience, ever. I don't know what I was thinking. I never had any, when I would write a song, it was just like, oh here's a song about something Mm -hmm. that happened to me, or this sounds cool to me. And I never thought about what am I, what reaction am I trying to get from the audience? Do I want this song to make people cry or dance? I never thought about it. And it was like, when I go back, when I think back on that, I'm like, wow, that's the difference between like, you know, I knew plenty of bands who had great, like the audience reaction was amazing. And, and I couldn't and I would always look at the music and I'd be like, what is the difference with their music that's like make doing this magic trick where the band just like I mean, the audience just immediately gets up and starts dancing. Like, what is this magic trick that they're doing? And I always look to the music, but that was the wrong place to look. Uh-huh. The place to look was that the band actually cared about the audience. And they connected. I feel I probably I never connected with an audience. If I did, it was by accident. So that I, that is the big thing that I would change. It's not about me. It's not about the art. It's not about the music. It's yeah. about the audience. And if you're not delivering them some kind of value, you're making them cry. You're making them feel connected. You're making them dance. You're making them feel elation or whatever, freedom. If you're not doing mm-hmm. that, no one's going to pay you. No one's going to come and see you again. No one's going to clap unless they're just being polite. And that that is I mean, I just shake my head when I think back on that. It's like, well, no wonder, no wonder (laughs) it was so hard to sell a CD or no wonder it was so hard to get people to come out to shows because what was in it for them? Nothing. It was there to just look, look how cool I am. I can sing and play guitar at the same time. So that that's the that's the main thing.
1: Yeah it was like dang uh value based pricing is really a selfless act right so it it will, yes. it will always boils down whatever purpose we are doing or whatever whatever job or whatever missions that we are trying to achieve or trying to put out there it's really uh having that selfless act yeah it's really yeah it's really you know i think that's really meaningful and powerful especially for uh for the audience and for the listeners and yeah, before we ra- uh, wrap up this show, Jonathan, and I really, you know, that's, uh, I, 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 use a lot of my journal or a lot of pages of my journal because of, of the, the topics that we've talked about. And I'm really, <laughs> I'm really grateful about that. So I'll probably buy another journal tomorrow if, <laughs> if I can go out because, but, uh, uh, to wrap up the show in a macro level, right? So in a macro level, um, uh, Whatever, uh, whatever level or uh, business skills or whatever creative skills uh, they have or, uh, uh, or or the listeners have of, of this podcast, what's your best practical advice for them?
0: I would go back to my past clients and ask them for testimonials because your past clients who you know assuming they're happy. Mm-hmm your past clients are going to know in retrospect what the value was that they got out of your work. And even if it's just a feeling like that new logo just made me feel like my business was really real and I could really go into sales meetings confident instead of before where I was really not confident when I went into meetings because that logo on my website was just so beautiful and it gave me the confidence to close twice as many deals as I did the year before. So I would go back to past clients, and mm-hmm. I have a, a template I can give to you the link to it. But if you Google mm-hmm. for "building the perfect uh, building the perfect testimonial," uh, you'll probably find it. Jonathan Stark building the perfect testimonial, and it's this e- a couple of emails you can send with some questions about how to reach back out to past happy clients and find out what value they got out of your engagement. And they're never going to say it was the logo or that it was the html or was the css they're never going to say that stuff that you think about they're going to say what transformation it had on them and their business and you take those things and you put obviously you're going to put the testimonials on your website or wherever your your profile is but also the language that is in there is what you'll talk about in your marketing have the confidence to walk into a sales meeting and close the deal like that's what my logo or my brand redesign is going to do for you and you know it's true because your past clients said that that's what they got
1: dang so i'm gonna steal that so everyone who are <laughs> listening you should steal that yeah that's that's really a great you know a really great idea to to really uh keep moving forward and to really uh uh make uh, make your early uh early early base pricing into value-based pricing strategy, right? So, yeah, thank you so much, Jonathan, and I, I really appreciate uh, that you drop by on a podcast. So uh, for those who are listening, for those who are interested to, about your coaching, about your, about your book, uh, where, where they can find you?
0: Yeah, the best way to get in touch with me is through my mailing list. So mm-hmm. if you're interested in learning more about value pricing, you can go to valuepricingbootcamp.com and sign up there. And... All the messages come from my personal email address. So, you know, as you go through the six days of emails, you can just reply to any of them if you have a question or you just want to, you know, shoot the breeze, whatever. I respond to all my emails. Uh, it might take a little while, but yeah. I get to them eventually. <laughs> and that's, that's really the best way. So go to valuepricingbootcamp.com.
1: Yeah, yeah. For everyone who are listening, make sure to reach out to uh, Jonathan. So I, I, I'm I, I'm honestly, don't, uh you know, uh, don't, uh what what you call this I forgot the word, but uh, I just reached out to Jonathan about the opportunity to to get him on the podcast so he re- you know, he, re- he really responds to the to the email so it's it's really you know it's it's uh I, I had a really great time to have him on the show so again Jonathan, thank you so much for those who are listening make sure to check out the show notes or uh, all of the links that uh, we've mentioned here in this podcast uh, you can Check that out on your show notes below. So if you're listening to Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are using, scroll down below and you'll get uh, the the links that, uh, that Jonathan uh, mentioned in this episode. And you can also learn more about the podcast by visiting the designliveshow.com. That's the designliveshow.com. So again, Jonathan, thank you so much for for dropping boy on the podcast and i really you know i'm really really grateful to have you on the show and yeah it's 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 uh it's really fun so i hope you had fun too
0: (laughs) yeah thanks for supporting the mission really appreciate it
1: and that's it so thank you so much guys for listening again to the podcast and i really appreciate it For those people who are asking me on how to support the podcast, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts so in that way, you can help me to reach more people and make the podcast more discoverable within the ecosystem. You can also take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with your friends, colleagues, or to anyone that might be interested in this kind of contents. You can also support the podcast monetarily by visiting jchristteves.com forward slash donate Or patreon.com forward slash TDLS and you can also shop courses and tools online to design the life you really deserve by visiting my shop at shop.jcristeves.com and you can book a call today I don't buy it just let me know guys so the last one would be also by listening and to all the podcast episode and previous episode and however you support my message uh, how, however small that is uh, more than enough and it means the world to me so thank you so much and see you again next time